complain a lot in IUCN that there should be more attention to, to nature conservation. The World Heritage Sites, now we have uh, nearly 1,200, so many more, we're told, the historians of the convention. And when we are inscribing the sites on the list, does it play a role in protecting it? Interesting question. In the Arab region, there are six sites only inscribed on the list, the natural sites. Why do you think there is less attention given to the natural sites? The spectacular nature conservation values across the Arab states is not really matched with the, the number of World Heritage Sites that are deserved. This is a question that might come into many people's minds. How can nature become heritage? Welcome to another interesting episode of My Heritage Podcast from the Arab Regional Center for World Heritage, where we celebrate the richness and diversity of world heritage through delving into the interesting stories of our experts. Today, we have the pleasure to have a remarkable expert with us in the field of heritage. Our guest today is Tim Badman, the Heritage and Culture Head at the International Union for Conservation of Nature. Welcome. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. It's very nice to have you with us today. Uh, Tim, you have started your career that was very interesting. How was your journey started in heritage? Well, it started, I, I, yeah, I, I guess, uh, with my education. And I, I grew up in the rural and coastal part of England. Um, I went to, uh, to university and I studied geology and I wanted to study geology because it mixed together different sciences because it meant you could be outdoors um, and to, to be in the, in, in, the, you know, in the fresh air and on the ground. And then I uh, got my first job, which was a, 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 a postgraduate um, invitation, a training uh, session in a national centre in the United Kingdom, which worked on what they call environmental interpretation, which is not about the type of interpretation you do to sort of um, tra translate between different languages, but it was about the way that places, heritage places are presented, whether those are cultural heritage or natural heritage uh, places. So that was really, although it wasn't really a heritage job, that was where I first, uh, first started work. Uh, and then I worked in um, local government. Uh, so worked on the ground uh, with communities in... Um, in two different counties in England. And the second of those counties, which was where I'm from, was working on a World Heritage uh, proposal. So that was what led me into the work in World Heritage and eventually to, to start work internationally. But uh, yeah, my background is, uh, I always think of being at ground level, site level management. That's an inspiring journey and interesting. And as mentioned, uh, you have been working at IUCN. How is IUCN contributing to the conservation of heritage? Well, IUCN, so International Union for Conservation of Nature, um, was, was established uh, 75 years ago, over 75 years ago, um, by UNESCO to, to work on the conservation of nature and the conservation of natural resources. And over that time, we've, we, we're a large organization and we work on many different areas of nature conservation and on uh, sustainable development, but we were um, very much involved in the founding of the World Heritage Convention. In fact, in 1966, which I'll uh, share is the year I was born as well, uh, IUCN's um, uh, Congress in, um, uh, 
in Switzerland that year was the first, uh, one of the first international forum where a proposal was made. It was made by the, uh, by the delegates from the United States for something that would uh, help, to help with UNESCO to become the World Heritage Convention. And it said, well, there, there were some places that were so important that they should be uh, shared and, um, and, and protected by the whole of the international community. And it said that that should be a list of places. Uh, it should be both natural and cultural significance. And the, 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 the name World Heritage was included in their proposal. So this sort of DNA of the World Heritage Convention, in a way, was something which IUCN uh, helped to to bring into being, um, UNESCO had a series of proposals as well. In the, and in the 1970s, the World Heritage Convention uh, came into being. So, so IUCN was um, named at that time to be the technical advisor on nature conservation, and our main conservation, our main contribution, sorry, to to heritage really has been focused on building on that um, role in the World Heritage Convention, where we the we're the advisor on nature conservation, on protecting important ecosystems, places that are important for species, uh, places that are important for geology, uh, and the most spectacular places on the earth. So as you mentioned, the inscribing of sites on the World Heritage List started after the convention. Why is it important to inscribe these sites on the list? Well, so World Heritage has, uh, has its heart a really uh, powerful and I could say beautiful idea, which is that there are pl you know, places that are important to the whole, of, uh, the whole of the world. And so the whole of the world should, should come together to, uh, to protect and to support uh, those, those places together. And so really the idea of, the idea of World Heritage is, is to recognize uh, the World Heritage sites. Now we have uh, nearly 1,200, so many more, we're told. The historians of the convention say that uh, the list was never expected to be as many sites as it, as it is, but these are places that are um, uh, put forward by countries as highly significant, and the international communities agreed to come together to, to recognize and, and support. Yeah, that creates, creates a huge challenge as well, because on the one hand, they're uh, spectacular and important, but they're also places that are frequently highly threatened, uh, and they're also places that need to show a really good example of what good conservation practice should look like, what nature conservation, what cultural heritage uh, protection should look like. So that, that in a way is also the challenge of protecting these places. But we are, we'd like to, you know, we, if you ask the question, why is, it, why is it important? You know, firstly, because these are intrinsically spectacular and important places, but also because they should serve as an example of conservation practice more widely. That's the, that's the goal and sometimes the challenge. And when we are inscribing these uh, these sites on the list, does it play a role in protecting it? Oh, it certainly does, and I think I, you know, I I can relate back to before before IUCN to the experience of working at, at ground level, preparing a World Heritage nomination, and then and then working on a World Heritage program. Um, for, for, for five years after the, after the site was listed. And it certainly um, provides a focus for uh, the, the, the need to set high standards and the need to achieve protection, but it, but it also doesn't fundamentally change that the responsibility for places is, is held, at, held at local level and is, is also held by 
the government that has made has made the nomination. But uh, we work, uh, yeah, we work extremely hard. But also, tr tr we try to be very constructively engaged with the World Heritage sites to you know support the people on the ground that are. Um, that value them and the people on the ground that benefit from them and the people on the ground that are responsible for their future. So when we are inscribing these sites, does it play a role in the development of countries? And have you seen something remarkable in that case? Well, yes, I think, it, I think it's, it's clear, um, although perhaps more as an observation focused on cultural site listing than the, the sites for nature conservation because we complain a lot in IUCN that there should be more attention to to nature conservation but it's but it's clear that um, one of the unique um, realities of the World Heritage Convention is that um, that the government's concerned have to support the proposal and they have to take responsibility for it but it's often clear that the um, that, that countries making proposals are really looking for um, the, you know, recognition of the importance of places in their areas. There's often, uh, in their countries, there's often uh, also local um, drivers, local expectations that a World Heritage Site is going to lead to more support. It's going to lead to uh, uh, contributions to the, to the local economy, to tourism, and, and, and so on. So, yeah, it's been, um, it, you know, it's sometimes quite remarkable how uh, invested countries are in... in um, in, in supporting their World Heritage nominations, and I, uh, you know, I should be careful. Uh, I'll give you specific examples, but as IUCN, we're often in the um, difficult position of not supporting, um, not agreeing that a site is ready to be put on the World Heritage list because we 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 have to um, advise the decision-taking committee, the World Heritage Committee, on whether a site meets the the requirements of the convention, and these are very high you know high expectations and so quite often um, we recommend you know we, we say well the sites could be very important but there's problems with its protection and management the boundaries are not correct there are you know often concerns of support uh, from local communities and so we don't think the site should be uh, should be recommended and and you know that can be a very difficult place to be because you know countries have very high expectations of uh, their sites being listed, and um, and also the, the this this process of listing, uh, this in the UNESCO process of listing, has very small opportunities. You know, there's only a few spaces each year. If you miss your slot one year, you know you don't get the slot next year. So there's a lot of pressure as well to uh, to, to have success quickly. This is a question that might come into many people's minds: How can nature become heritage? Ah, well. So one of so one of the interesting realities of the World Heritage Convention is it's one of the few international instruments that talks about nature as natural heritage, and uh, <coughs> excuse me, um, and 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 um, you know I think I think it's in some ways it's a question of terminology, you know what. You know, here, you know, now we would probably say conservation values or nature conservation significance, but the idea that the idea that um, nature is our common heritage is something which I think is a very powerful idea. Um, I, and I think there are a few there are a few ways in which nature is kind of fundamentally heritage. You know, first, firstly, because I think I've explained to you, I'm a, a geologist. Firstly, so I, you know, I often 
look at nature conservation and think you know we for, you know we forget very much in nature conservation that you know the planet is this amazing 4.6 billion year old place that we uh, you know we happen to be here in a tiny uh, fraction of time and we you know we uh, where we're living now has been in the past you know the home of the dinosaurs and the home you know uh, a place where there was, you know, once no life on Earth and all the life was in the oceans and so on. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, a place that's changed very fundamentally over billions of years. So, the, you know, in a way, deep time heritage is the heritage of the planet is, um, you know, is one uh, important aspect of, of nature that the World Heritage Convention has, has recognized. But I think then... You know what? What's uh, important is to see that you know people, people, and the people, people have a relationship with nature. Yeah, it's people that give value to um, to places and live um, live alongside our fellow species, and you know help to create uh, and live in ecosystems. And so, um, you know, here, you know, we t we tend to sort of separate nature from culture and people in in the way that uh, many scientific disciplines have created themselves over the last uh, 100 or 200 years, but actually in many and most cultures, that separation is not how people live their lives. And, uh, you know, to think of the places as every, you know, as, as something that people are living in, people are handing to future generations is, is you know, just as valid for what we call nature as, as what we call culture. You also have worked as a team leader in one of the natural sites in the United Kingdom, the Devon and East uh, Dorset uh, Coast, which is a natural world heritage site. Tell us about your experience there. Uh, well, well, that was, as I say, when I, where I um, learnt, learnt, about, learnt about world heritage and had the, you know, it was an incredible privilege, really, to, to be where I come from. Um, I was... Um, born in Devon and I grew up in Dorset um, and, went, and went back to Dorset not to work on World Heritage but found when I had a, a job which was working on coastal management and coastal policy that there had been a, an idea created that maybe this coastline, the Dorset, the Dorset and East Devon coast was significant enough to be a, um, you know, to be a, world, to build a World Heritage area and in fact uh, you know, we're, meet, we're meeting here uh, um, in, in Bahrain, uh, two, two days after the funeral of um, a great friend and mentor of mine, Dennis, Dennis Brunston, um, who was uh, the, founder of, the founder of that idea and has uh, just, uh, just, just passed away. And, um, you know, I, I think I've been just, just back uh, in Dorset in East Devon thinking about, thinking about this work and uh, remembering what happened in 2001 when we were, when we were put on the World Heritage List um, and yeah, well, well tell, I, I don't know what to tell you about it. I mean, the, it was, an, it was uh, some, somewhere where I think I learnt most of what I still apply in my work in IUCN and try to um, bring into the, the, the way that we work on, on world heritage. And I think there were, um, you know, two or three things that were significant about working on, on a world heritage proposal. I mean, the first was, um, you know, we didn't see it as changing the whole place it brought a recognition of the geological heritage of um, of uh, Dorset and East Devon to the surface the, I, the we, we had a story to tell and the story was 155 kilometers of a coastline which uh, 
had geology which started at the dawn of the, the dinosaurs and ended at the extinction of the dinosaurs. And so you had this incredible fossil story. And at the same time, we had a coast that was extremely varied where you could really teach and, and learn about every aspect of uh, coastal, what we call geomorphology, the way coasts uh, get created, you know, how beaches are created, how cliffs are formed, uh, you know, the way, the way the sea and the land are continually uh, cha changing the landscape. So, um, so we, you know, firstly had to sort of work out how to weave uh, this new idea of geology and uh, geological heritage into the story we were telling. I mean, secondly, you know, we worked all of our, um, you know, put all of our energy into um, making sure that this was a project that was owned locally. You know, it was never going to, we, we never expected that... Uh, if you got on the World Heritage List, somehow UNESCO would be arriving with, uh, you know, a, a, buck, a bucket of money or a, a load of a load of experts that were going to come going to come and work on the site. That you know, we had to make sure we had responsibility for it. We needed to make sure there was a realistic idea of what might change and what we wanted to not change, and uh, how it might contribute to what the community's expectations were, how it would you know, be supportive of and not blocking different types of uh, development or activities. So we went, you know, we spent so much time uh, meeting community groups, meeting the local councils, meeting the landowners, uh, meeting the different users of the coastline to try to design a, design a process together. And, and then it was an opportunity to really bring um, leading scientists, who many of whom... Um, you know, responded incredibly generously to the request to join a, a World Heritage proposal. Um, you know, but many of whom had uh, been trained or had uh, been inspired by the stories of stories of the Dorset and East Devon coast. You know, visits there. We, you know, this incredible sort of laboratory. So it was also very exciting to prepare a bid where you know there was really uh, good international engagement and national engagement with. You know the most the most brilliant uh, earth scientists and you know, geologists, geomorphologists, uh, you know specialists in nature that we could we could find to help us. And I was a it was a very uh, you know inspiring moment and then a very nerve wracking moment as well because you put all your all your passion into writing the proposal and you send it to UNESCO and then nothing happens. You know it's sort of si silence for a year and then you wait for the envelope to to come and tell you whether it's a positive recommendation or. A, negative recommendation you go to the World Heritage Committee and still think is this uh, is this project that we want recognized going to happen so um, yeah so I lived I lived this life uh, on the ground for a long time that's that's great and I definitely think that having the site inscribed in 2001 was an amazing uh, feeling back then yeah yeah it was um, the first you know I mean I now live my life around UNESCO and the World Heritage Committee, but it was the first time, you know, I'd been in Helsinki in, in, 2000, in 2001 to sort of see how this, uh, you know, enormous machine, which is much, much bigger now, that uh, you know, recognizes, recognizes and supported, supports World Heritage actually went. But yeah, it was really quite a, sat, you know, sat, satis, satisfaction that, uh, you know, after five years of effort, this project had, had come together and... Um, and then, and then that was the easy bit, you know. Then, the big challenge is to then make a make a site really work and live uh, live with World Heritage going forward. Uh, as we know, there are natural sites and there are cultural sites. Mm. How can these together be linked? 
Well, yeah, I, th I think we, we've been spending in, in the work that we do on World Heritage now, um, and really, well, really, you know, this has been a, a bit my, uh, you know, I guess sort of passion and obsession somehow <laughs> since working in IUCN is, is, to, is to try to bring together the approaches in the World Heritage Convention to cultural heritage and, and to natural heritage. But in a way, it all starts because if I think back to Dorset, and East Devon um, at, at, at the local level, you know, say we were trying to weave geology into all the other things that were going on and, you know, it was a place with very important biodiversity conservation values and huge cultural heritage and uh, lots of uh, important, you know, archaeological sites and this sort of story of uh, how people had lived over a long, a long time. And so I never, I guess, never really saw, the, see the separation at, at, at ground level, at, at site level, what we've... I guess, you know, increasingly call um, the places, place-based approaches and people-centered approaches to, to world heritage because at, at ground level people, you know, that there is not a separation and part of the challenge of, of world heritage is that, you know, the ideas that are sort of baked into the World Heritage Convention of cultural heritage and natural heritage come somehow from, you know, I guess you could say, uh, European, uh, uh, Western sort of sense of how how you organise sort of knowledge and and, and 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 ideas, but actually most cultures, if you think of how different cultures, different peoples sort of orient, take themselves to places. Don't don't put nature in one box and people in another box and culture in a in a, in another box. So somehow, um, you know, the, I think the bringing together in the first place is a very obvious thing to do if you say this convention is about places because the, the connections are always are always there even if sometimes you know sometimes they're very obvious and sometimes you have to work a bit harder um, but the ways to, the ways to bring um, uh, connections together I think uh, you know what we what we've been trying to explore and it, there's many different ways to think about that but one one is to recognize that you know values and what is valued needs to respect not just these globally significant, outstanding universal value of world heritage, but everything that uh, communities value, uh, indigenous people's value, you know, local local interests value about a place, so that we sort of see that every every place is a whole, is a whole place. And, and the second, but really the foundation for making that equation work is to, is to always respect and work with uh, the communities, the interests and, uh, the people who who who, who live um, li live and work with heritage, and you you know you were kind kind enough to introduce me as a as an expert, but I actually one of my um, concerns is we use the word expert a bit too freely, and I don't I don't think I, you know I don't think anybody that goes on the ground in a world heritage site that's come from somewhere else should call themselves an expert. You should call yourself a specialist. Uh, you should call yourself um, you know some somebody with you know, new knowledge and ideas to offer to the site, but the expertise, you know, and the, um, the relationship is always something which is local. In the Arab region, there are six sites only inscribed on the list, the natural sites. Why do you think there is less attention given to the natural sites? Yeah, it's a very good question. I think there's, I think there's a few more that are listed for their natural and cultural values as well, and other three. But, uh, but, it, but it is true, and it, and it's been a long time observation of ours that, um, that, that uh, 
the, the potential for recognizing the spectacular nature conservation values across the Arab states is not really matched with the, the number of World Heritage sites that are deserved and, and certainly re relative to the number of uh, sites listed you know, for their for their cultural heritage and frequently built heritages, you know, there's there's a lot of gaps and a lot of things that are missing, and I and I don't know um, all of the reasons for that. I think I think um, you know sometimes with world heritage, you know, the challenge is whether you've got the ministries and the uh, the agencies responsible for nature really involved in in the work of the World Heritage Convention. Um, so I you know I. Guess some some sometimes I think it may be that the you, you know in the in 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 the Arab states or at least in a number of Arab countries the sort of the way that the relationship built with World Heritage over time was sort of more with cultural heritage institutions and the culture ministries and so somehow maybe that connection was not not always made but I also think um, you know in general the convention has been um, you know, needing to find ways that reach out to regions in ways the regions actually want to, you know, respond to and understand and, and, and relate to. It's why, you know, being here in Bahrain and at the Arab Regional Centre for World Heritage is such a, you know, an important connection for our work because, you know, we, we sit in an office in Switzerland, the other advisory bodies have their offices, uh, you know, in Europe. We do have we do have an office in the region, but, uh, you know, for World Heritage, we've always worked from the national, uh, the international um, head, headquarters. And you can never really, you know, get enough into uh, the connections uh, and, and, and understanding with the region if you work like that. So somehow I think, you know, the, there is some missed connection in the way perhaps that nature, natural sites have been looked at. And I guess the fact that there are you know, proportionately more mixed natural cultural sites in the Arab states relative to natural sites than most regions might give us the clue that you know, that way of thinking about the connection of nature and culture might be a better way to understand what is the, the important heritage of this region than just looking at the, you know, the, the, uh, the the biodiversity and the, ge the geology uh, boxes separately. I don't know. Maybe those are the reasons. It's hard to tell. You should tell. You should tell me the answer <laughs> to the question. I'm just. Uh, I'm just a visitor. But uh, maybe those are some of the reasons. Uh, as we know, the heritage sites face many challenges, hmm. and climate cha climate change definitely imposed many threats on the sites. How did it affect the natural sites? Well, you're you're absolutely right about the significance of climate change, and um, IUCN uh, also in, since 2014 we established a, a global assessment of how natural world heritage sites were doing. We call it the World Heritage Outlook, and in 2014, in 2017, and in 2020 we made three different assessments of how how world heritage sites are being threatened, how effectively they're managed. And we saw over that time that uh, from 2014 to 2017, climate change was identified as the most rapidly growing threat to natural world heritage sites. And from 2017 to 2020 became the single most widely identified threat to threat to natural sites. The, the, the impacts are very um, d diverse and different because the way that climate change is creating, uh, you know, is creating 
threats and challenges to World Heritage Sites depends on the, the, the nature of the site, the nature of its uh, values, but also the way in which climate, uh, you know, the clim climate change is, is happening. So we see, um, you know, changes in extreme weather events, the absolute level of uh, increasing temperatures, increasing temperatures in the oceans, as well as uh, temperatures um, in, in the atmosphere. We've seen, you know, we have some sites which have a significant uh, risk from fire. We have uh, sites that have threats from invasive species, and we expect uh, climate change to also, uh, you know, create uh, more and more uh, challenging pathways for um, for, for invasive species, and then we see climate change also creating impacts on people and on the capacity of sites to be managed, which is another way that uh, sites themselves can face challenges. So it's very, you know, it's diverse and different ways in which the climate climate threats are impacting. But um, but yeah, it's concerning that it's a grow, it's a growing threat, and we know that it's not an issue that the sites themselves can deal with on their own, or even in uh, countries. Can, can deal with either. So World Heritage sort of works by the idea that you ask the site to act to conserve, and then if you ask the government uh, of the, the, you know, the state concern to provide more effort and more uh, energy and more support, but uh, climate change can't be solved by action at either of those levels alone, which makes it a, also a particularly challenging, uh, you know, challenging threat to deal with. And throughout your journey, did you notice any difference and changes in the understanding of natural heritage? Well, hmm, interesting question. Um, yeah, the, the, the I, I think we, you know, we see um, there are se there are several, I guess, sort of changes. Whether it's quite the understanding of natural heritage, but things I think that are important to identify that you know world heritage somehow rep represents as uh, recognition of what you know what do we call nature and what do we call natural heritage uh, you know one, one is as we've just been talking about climate change but i think more generally the recognition that biodiversity the the, the diversity of life on earth uh, species uh, and ecosystems is increasingly threatened you know, it's hugely challenged by a crisis which is the other, we say, the other side of the coin to the, the, the challenge and the threat from climate change is the loss of biological diversity on the planet, the loss of uh, the nature that uh, sustains us and, and protects us. So it's clear that over the lifetime of the World Heritage Convention, the threats, the direct threats to nature have grown and grown. And firstly, World Heritage Sites are, you know, places that include the most spectacular areas we have for protecting biodiversity and so uh, you know recognizing that change of the level of threat to nature is the fundamental driver of, of IUCN and you know we really think that uh, you know that the, 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 there's a new there's a new plan to conserve biodiversity ambitious targets to halt uh, the loss of bi halt uh, the loss of, of biodiversity between you know 2030 and 2050 but really the action is you know urgent already now and was urgent uh, 10 or 20 years ago. So that, that I think, is one uh, key heart, heart of what we're doing um, to try to ra you know, raise uh, those issues and to see World Heritage raise those issues. Um, you know, I think um, World Heritage is uh, helping to really bring an understanding that nature goes beyond biodiversity and includes uh, the geodiversity, the geological diversity of the world. So I've talked a bit already in this uh, 
conversation about um, geology and about geomorphology, but, I, but uh, World Heritage was um, decades ahead of the conservation discourse we're trying to work on now in recognizing that you're, you know, we, we should care about the memory of planet Earth and it's these uh, millions and billions of years of history that pre predate us here. So I think that understanding, which has also grown with UNESCO's recognition of global geoparks and, you know, a whole range of geological heritage um, initiatives is the second point. And right now the third, the third point is there's a major um, and long overdue recognition in uh, nature, in nature conservation um, policy and practice that indigenous peoples have held in their territories places of huge significance for nature by um, the stewardship and the relationship they, they have with their territories and so the respect uh, and uh, protection uh, of their rights, the placing of um, leadership power and uh, recognition um, in, in, in the hands of indigenous peoples and really supporting um, uh, a world where we don't see um, only a sort of state state model of uh, or an expert driven model of nature conservation being appropriate but really you know, rec recognizing that uh, uh, supporting rights of indigenous peoples is a way to um, achieve these goals for for biodiversity but also be more just and more uh, equitable as, uh, as as societies is is a third really important component where World Heritage has many different challenges as well in terms of uh, recognizing sites that uh, where those standards have not always been uh, upheld. Amazing. And what is an advice that you would give for the young professionals who are working in this field? Ah, well, okay. So I do, um, one of the pleasures of um, the, the work that I do is I get, I get the chance to occasionally um, teach um, uh, you know, teach, teach, teach groups of students mainly. It's a very self self interested thing to do because mainly it's a way to meet uh, you know people that have got really great ideas and things that uh, you know, questions that help us uh, you know think about how to do our, our job better. But we do have uh, you know quite a lot of opportunities in IUCN to to talk to young professionals about how to you know how to make a how to make a career. And I think the um, for the work we do in World Heritage, the most important ad advice. Apart from you know, continue to get a good qualification, you know, in a master's level qualification. Unlike when I started my career, you know, this is a really, really uh, important you know level of um, uh, level of uh, qualification to have. But but really to to get field experience. So the you know the one the one piece of advice I think is any any experience to make contact with real world conservation programs and projects you know work with communities work on the ground work work to understand what it really takes to to make uh, conservation practice happen is 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 really golden experience to be able to sort of show that alongside you know your um, technical knowledge and your uh, you know sort of expertise you could say around um, around a particular field of heritage conservation you've actually gone out and tried to make this work in the real world with, you know, with real people, with real places, and um, can can see, you know, how to how to bring people together, how to, you know, be respectful and understanding about what's important. So yeah, that's field experience is the most important thing. 
Thank you so much, Tim, for sharing your experience, your advice, and your insights. It has been remarkable and valuable. Thank you so much. Well, thanks very much. It's been a pleasure to join you, and thanks for the uh, opportunity to be here at the Arab Regional Centre to exchange on these uh, on these questions. Thank you very much. Thank you. What a journey it has been. We had the opportunity to hear from different experts the stories in the field of heritage. From archaeologists uncovering the forgettable sites to museum curators preserving the artifacts, specialists diving in the depth of the sea to protect its beauty, to experts putting all of their efforts to protect our natural and cultural sites. Together, we have delved into these stories and viewed it from different lenses. We thank you again for joining us on this remarkable journey. And remember that our heritage is not just part of our history. Heritage is not just the past. It is a living, breathing entity that shapes our present and future. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Tim. It was amazing to have you as our last guest and ending this podcast. I hope that you enjoyed as much as I did. Uh, thank you again. And thank you, everyone. My Heritage Podcast from the Arab Regional Center for World Heritage.